Welcome back. Thanks for joining me and Collins for another episode of the Leaders Who Love What They Do podcast. For those who don't know me, I'm the founder of Blue Bottle Coaching and I work with senior leaders across a range of countries and industries to accelerate their leadership career by helping them to search out and address their blind spots, to rethink and transform their leadership style to reach their biggest career goals. I'm absolutely delighted today to welcome Perrine Farquet dialing in from London, but she actually comes from the region in France where I'm living, near Dijon. So we've done a little exchange there. So welcome, Perrine. Oh, thank you, Anne, for having me today and very excited to be here with you today. Well, thank you for joining us. It's uh, it's such a privilege to have you um, on the show. Thank you. So I'm just going to introduce you to our listeners. So Perrine is an author, an entrepreneur, a keynote speaker and inclusion expert. And she empowers leaders to leverage diversity to their competitive advantage. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, well, what does that actually mean in practice? Well, she has spent the last 10 years helping companies build diverse and inclusive, engaged teams teams that are highly productive, innovative, and solve problems faster. She also provides training in inclusion and has trained hundreds of leaders on how to create truly inclusive and diverse teams to grow their business. So I'm so delighted that you're with us, we're with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. And today is our special International Women's Day episode, where we're going to look in particular at women in leadership. And I'm really excited to hear about your approach, which I think adds a very very different dimension to the debate. So I'd just like to start um, with a very simple question. Could you just tell us where your passion for inclusion has come from? Yes, great question. Actually, my passion for inclusion came from my personal professional experience of exclusion. As, as you mentioned earlier, I have been leading the marketing function of software companies and technology companies here in London for about 12 years. And as a woman in technology, I often felt excluded and I often felt like I did not belong to the group in my career, but especially I did not belong in the leadership. I couldn't see anybody who looked like myself in the leadership team at any of those organizations um, because I was a woman. I was also a mother of two young children. English was my second language. And I just couldn't see people like myself at the top. And I was passed over for promotions quite often as well. I could see men being promoted and they had the same skill sets, same experience as me. And uh, this experience of exclusion in my career really led me to, you know, to, to think about what, 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 what does inclusion bring to organizations and to teams. And the other side of the story is I actually had one of the most inclusive leaders in my career. His name was Steve, and he was the most inclusive leader I've ever had. And he was so empowering and so supportive and so inclusive in the way he made me feel that when I was under his leadership, I brought everything to the table. I went above and beyond and I brought, I was the most engaged with my work I've ever, I'd ever been and I was the most productive I'd ever, ever been. So in summary, I realized that teams that are the most engaged with their work, that are the most uh, innovative and that are the most productive uh, are the teams that have the most inclusive leaders. So that's how my passion for inclusion comes from. 
Oh, that's that's an amazing story. And as you say, I think that it's absolutely it's absolutely clear, isn't it, that when when we are inclusive, and whether that's and whatever that means, as you say, you know, being 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 a parent, speaking speaking a, a different language to to the rest of the team, whatever that is, if we can be truly inclusive. We we work better as a team. Everybody benefits. There are there are no losers. In fact, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things I, I do with my work is articulating to those business leaders, those senior leaders, uh, the business benefit of being inclusive and diverse. Because I think often business leaders are a little bit scared or skeptical when they hear diversity and inclusion. What does that even mean? You know, what is this thing? Why should I care? I mean, I should care about generating sales and revenue for my business. But actually, what what my work is explaining to those business leaders that teams that are highly inclusive are more engaged, they are more creative because they bring different perspectives. They go above and beyond. They are more productive. They are more innovative. They are more, there is more talent retention. It's, It's easier to attract the best talent as well, to attract diverse customers, to open up new market routes as well. So there are a lot of business advantages in focusing on inclusion. My view is actually inclusion or creating inclusive teams and environment is the number one um, advantage for any organization to really to, to, to benefit the bottom line. Yes, and and as as uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, it's it's uh, coming up to International Women's Day as we record this, and I, I don't know how many years we've been marking International uh, Women's Day, and but I was just wondering on the basis of that, it's clear that we do still need it. But is it as a day? Is it still relevant? Do you think? And how how do you think we could use this opportunity better? Is this the best way to promote inclusion for for women in particular? Yeah, I've actually uh, recently written a blog post about this title, Ignore Women's Day and do this one powerful thing instead. And so in my blog post, I talk about the fact that regardless of people's opinion on International Women's Day, the problem remains the same, that women are consistently and routinely paid less, promoted less and rewarded less than their male counterparts everywhere in the world. And in fact, the World Economic Forum revealed that none of us will see gender parity in our lifetimes and no likely will many of our children. And that's according to the Global Gender uh, Gap Report 2020, which reveals that gender parity will not be obtained in for 99.5 years. And so business leaders need to address the gender imbalance now. And I share some recommendations about you know, how organizations and, and leaders should go about International Women's Day. So I, I talk about the danger of the tick box Women's Day celebrations. You know, often there is much hypocrisy in the corporate world. We've seen some advertising campaigns that are run specifically for Women's Day, you know, demonstrating that perfectly. So, for example, in March 2019, fans of the popular British soap opera Emmerdale threatened to boycott the all-female International Women's Day special episode for being sexist. In that example, the program leaders took a very narrow-minded approach to Women's Day, which failed to address the real problem of gender imbalance. And there's another example in for International Women's Day in 2018, Budweiser, the beer company, featured female workers in environmental safety, health management or engineering on their social media. However, Budweiser had historically been well known for running sexist advertising, including the Budweiser Girls. 
And so that's one thing to be aware of, the danger of a very narrow-minded Women's Day celebration approach. Instead, I think business leaders should really do another thing. They should transform the way that their organization supports women in a more meaningful way. And they must, I think, implement year-long programs to support women. For example, Vodafone, which is a very well-established telecommunication company here in the UK, Vodafone celebrates gender equality 365 days a year through their gender equality program. They have a long-term ambition to become the world's best employer for women by 2025. And another company is Nestle. So Nestle has been running multiple programs promoting gender equality for the past few years. And in fact, in January 2020, Nestle was recognized in Bloomberg Gender Equality Index for its transparency in gender reporting. And another great example is Pfizer, the healthcare company. So Pfizer was also recognized for demonstrating an outstanding program to support their female talent pool through their internal global women's network. And Pfizer also stands out for sharing their annual gender pay gap report and being transparent on the female pay gap. So those are a few examples of when organizations ensure that women are in all places where decisions are being made, they reap up the benefits by enjoying more market share due to the service they offer. And I I just want to end up with this quote from women's rights champion Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who so eloquently explained, women belong in all places where decisions are being made, and it shouldn't be that women are the exception. Mm, I love that quote, and it's one that often comes to mind as well, and uh, and so important as as well, isn't it? And I think what to, what you say about this uh, about it not being a tick box exercise is so important. And I think for too many years, and not just for International Women's Day, I think we could uh, include many other official days of various things. They can become a, a tick box exercise and uh, almost a social media a social media opportunity rather than really embedding the change that we so desperately need. And as you say, those shocking figures about not getting gender parity for, I don't know how many years you said, but it was a lot. It's, you know, it's, it's time for time for real action, not just one day a year, certainly. And uh, that leads us very nicely onto your new book, because I'm absolutely fascinated by the title in particular. Unfortunately, we haven't got it in our hands yet, but uh, I'm very much looking forward to reading it. And your, the, the title of your new book is Inclusion, The Secrets to Grow, or The Secret, sorry, to Grow Your Organization. And what I love about what we, we talked about this uh, last week before planning or while planning the podcast, and, and I, I understood that rather than focusing on the benefits and rights of equality, it seems to me that you are reframing it in a very different way because you're promoting inclusion as a very concrete way um, of improving business all round, but you're also using the language that business understands. And even that in itself is very inclusive, I would say. And I, and I think that's a, that's a really great um, approach. Can you tell us more about that and, 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 and how you envision that being put into practice? Yeah, and thank you for asking me because I'm very excited about this new book. And in fact, it's going to be launched in April 2021, so very, very soon. But studies show that 85% of employees are not engaged in the workplace. That's huge. It's it's most, most nine out of 10 employees are not engaged in the workplace. 
And statistics and research show over and over again that having an inclusive workplace builds employee engagement, boosts productivity, creativity, and adds to the net bottom line. So my new book, um, it, about inclusion solves that problem of a disengaged workforce and by focusing on creating an inclusive environment. So in my book, I define the impact that inclusion has on an organization's performance. I explain how you can create true inclusion in your workplace. And I share who must be involved in creating an inclusive workplace. I share some tips for conducting successful unconscious bias and diversity and inclusion training. And I also point out why every organization, regardless of the size or the industry, should prioritize inclusion. And I also list what to look for when working with a diversity and inclusion expert. So ultimately, this book really helps senior leaders become the inclusive and empowered leaders that they always wanted to become. And so I think one of your questions is why this approach is different. Yes, it's a different, it's a radically different approach. Because according to conventional wisdom, leaders must work hard, focus on the business goals set by management and follow management directions toward the business. However, in my book, I argue that in reality, by focusing on inclusion of diverse talents, that's how teams will be more engaged, more collaborative and more productive, which will benefit the organization. So my book takes a radically new approach to growing the organization by going against conventional wisdom. And, that, and if I could just take you back to what you said right at the beginning about when you worked with your a leader that you really enjoyed working with, I think it was Steve, is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and and you said how it 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 helped you to bring more of yourself to that job. Yeah. So you were highly motivated, yeah. highly engaged. You were achieving maybe more than you'd ever imagined achieving in the in yeah. the corporate environment. And it's that that to me is so exciting is that it's it's really that that uh, bottom level of motivating people to be the very best they can be. And at the same time, then you're really empowering people to maybe push their push their limits, push their boundaries and to themselves and be ready to become leaders. And so the, the knock on effect is, is actually very exciting and far reaching. So I'm yes, I can't wait to 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 read it. And I will ask you a little bit later how we can find how we can find that and we'll definitely put all mm-hmm. the the links in the show notes and um, coming back to your to your leader there that uh, who was such a good leader I know that many male leaders are interested in promoting and supporting female leaders in their teams and their organizations but they are sometimes fearful of taking any concrete steps in your experience where does that fear come from yeah, it's such a great question because I see that over and over in my trainings, in my workshops with senior leaders who often happen to be straight white male. There is at the beginning a lot of fear because fear of saying the wrong thing, fear of doing the wrong thing, fear of being inappropriate, fear of not understanding. There is a lot of fear which leads to paralysis and then inaction. So my job is to create faith and and also comfort and, and the basic tools so that those leaders feel empowered to make the decision on their on their own and they don't need me anymore. In fact, one of the best feedback I get after my workshop is your workshop has removed the fear and now we feel as a leadership team we have the right vocabulary we have the right terminology we understand we can talk about what works for our organization that's that's the most rewarding feedback I get from my workshop when a a leader or CEO says 
you know, now we, we don't have the fear anymore. I love hearing that. And, and I think male leaders in particular have, especially straight white male leaders have a fear of saying the wrong thing because often there is that idea of, you know, they might have a privileged position and therefore, you know, they are so worried about saying the wrong thing. However, in reality, male leaders have such a strategic role as allies to women, people of color, disabled individuals, and, and many other underrepresented groups. And more often than not, in my experience, they are even better allies to women than women in leadership. So they should, and, and most, of, most of them have great intention. They just need to have the tools. So there are some steps that leaders, especially male leaders, can take to promote and support female leaders or any underrepresented group. So I always say start with why. So understand why diversity and inclusion is important to your organization, you know, your specific organization, your mission statement. How does diversity and inclusion come into that? How is that going to help your organization grow? Is it because, you know, you believe that a diverse and inclusive workforce will help you better understand your customers? Or is it because you think a diverse and inclusive team will work better together and will be faster at problem solving? Or perhaps is it because a diverse and inclusive workforce will force you to, to think differently and be more innovative? Whatever the reason, you need to ask yourself why diversity and inclusion will help you with your mission. And then the second step is to articulate how diversity ties into your mission. So you're ready to embed that into your mission statement and, and print it and share it on your newsletter with your employees on social media, with your clients in the news, you know, make it crystal clear out, outside to, to the outside world why diversity and inclusion is important to you. Then the next step is to set inclusion and diversity goals. So setting inclusion and diversity goals, especially tied to monetary compensation, will drive behavior. We know that goals drive behavior but monetary goals drive behavior faster. So you should treat inclusion and diversity the same way you would treat sales or marketing. You should have goals and you should um, allocate a percentage of the bonus to your leadership team to, you know, to the achievement of these goals because that's how you're going to drive behavior. In fact, recently we've seen Starbucks or McDonald's tying a percentage of their senior executives' pay bonuses to achieving those diversity goals. So the most forward-leading organizations do that. And then I recommend as well that you appoint a diversity and inclusion task force so um, sponsored by an executive, by really inviting a group uh, of people to be the uh, diversity and inclusion council in your organization, that will um, force you to have someone to monitor the progress and adjust constantly. It's important that it's sponsored by an executive. It can be yourself. It can be anybody from the executive team, because that's going to give your task force the authority and the budget they need to, to make an impact. And then you really need to assess, assess how diverse and inclusive your organization is or is not. So think about you know, your organization's last 10 promotions, how diverse do you consider them in terms of gender, ethnicity, and background? Or think about your organization's last hires, how diverse do you consider them to be in terms of gender, ethnicity, and background, for example? And then you could run a survey to, to get a sense on how inclusive your team feels. So you could send a survey to your employees asking them questions such as, you know, I'm proud to work for 
X, Y, Z, you know, and have, they have to rate from one to 10, or I would recommend X, Y, Z organization as a great place to work. And they have to tell you one to 10, that will give you a sense of how include, included your team feels. And then finally, you need to become a change agent yourself. So that means, what does that mean? You need to take accountability personally, and you need to hold your leaders accountable. And accountability starts with you. So you need to feel responsible for the success of diversity and inclusion in your organization without expecting anyone else to do the work for you. And then a last advice as well is to, is very important. It's to proactively diversify your network. This is one of my favorite tips because it's so simple yet so powerful. You must make a conscious decision to diversify your network. You must seek, you know, the company of people who are different from you, different gender, different race, different age different sexual orientation, different ability or disability, because proactively seeking to understand different perspectives will open your mind to different perspectives or new ideas and help you in your own personal diversity and inclusion journey. So that's a lot of tips, but, but those tips, I think if they are followed, can really help you become a more inclusive leader and, and transform the way your organization uh, is, is running. Well, thank you so much, Perrine. Oh, wow, you've just given us so many, so many tips there. I was busy taking notes as you were talking. And I just love the last one about diversifying your network. And as you say, it's an it's an easy step, but my goodness, what a rich step also to take to open those doors and to and especially now with uh with social media, with LinkedIn. There's, a, there's absolutely nothing to stop us from doing that on a daily basis. And I think that's such a, a such an interesting idea and a, a very practical point that every single one of us can put into practice uh, right now. So thank you for, for all of those tips. I'm still going to ask you, though, for your top tip. I don't know whether you have yeah. a top tip after all that. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I've been thinking about that. And I think my number one tip I want to leave everybody with today is to educate yourself, to learn as much as you can, to follow, you know, thought the and experts because it's a journey I always say this is a journey it's never finished and so if you understand it's a journey and you constantly educate yourself you are going to become better and so what one of the thing I recommend you know you could download my I've got a free ebook called the seven deadly mistakes to avoid with diversity programs and so that it talks about the seven deadly mistakes to avoid with your diversity and inclusion programs and it really helps you un- understand where to start, how- what to avoid. That's a very simple ebook, but that's an example that you know you can you can use that kind of content to learn new thing, and you can share it with other leaders in your in your team. And so I think you know if you prioritize your education and you invest invest in your learning and development, that's that would be the number one tip I would share with all the leaders that are listening today. That's great. And we'll put the links to all that in the show notes for everybody. Thank you so much. That's very generous of you to share that with all, with all of us as well. So thank you. If listeners want to contact you, how can they find you? Is LinkedIn the best place? Yes, LinkedIn. My name is Perrine Fark. So if you just you know search me, I'm always very happy. It's easiest for me to connect on social media. So find me on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll happily accept your connection request. I'm also very active on Twitter. It's Perrine Fark UK. I'm also on, on Instagram. It's official. And then my website, of course, which is www.inspired-human.com. 
I have a lot of uh, free content there. I've got the ebook I mentioned. You can sign up to receive my new book when it's, it's going to be out in a few weeks. So if you sign up, there is a, a special URL to you know share your email address to get notified when my book is out. Or you can sign up to my mailing list as well on my website. Those are easy way to, to connect with me. Great. And I was just going to ask you about the book. So thank you. You've given us the link there. And so, and can you just remind us when that's coming out? So it will be out in April 2021. So very, very soon. I don't know exactly which day, but in April 2021. Okay, great. And uh, I will certainly be sharing that as well on social media. So for those people who follow follow me as well, I will make sure that, that I put the news out as well so that you don't miss out on that. So that's great. Well, thank you so much, Perrine. Thank you, Anne. It was great. And I really appreciate you having me today. Thank you. Well, it's been absolutely fascinating and so interesting to hear about your work on inclusion. And I'm excited by it because it's practical. And I think, as you say, you know, many people, they get a bit lost in, in, the, in the academic side of it. And I think what you do, which is so exciting, is that you bring it into digestible, accessible, actionable pieces of, of, of content that we can all just put into practice very easily, but actually it's going to make such a difference to so many people. And as you say, ultimately, it's good, it's good for everybody. It's good for everybody in the team. It's good for the business. It's good, uh, it's good across the board. And certainly we need to, we need to make that, make that a reality to make sure that we can prove the, the World Economic Forum wrong. Let's hope we can. So thank you to our listeners for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please hop over to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, subscribe and share. If you're an executive or a senior leader looking to progress in your career and transform what you do, do join the Love to Lead community where you can find information about our programs, events and resources. For more details, go to today's show notes. So this is Anne Collins. Thanks so much for joining us and for listening and do join me again soon to meet another inspiring leader who loves what they do. Goodbye.